0: Welcome to this very first episode of QC Brief. You're seeing Michael Forian there on the screen. and If you're wondering what this is, we're going to go over it. Uh, and this is only going to be exclusive just for uh, the length of this provincial campaign here in Quebec that is going to end on October the 3rd. Um, I could not have uh, thought of anyone else to do it with rather than the the person that suggested and posed to do it. So, Michael, what's going on, buddy? Thanks for um, Thanks for being here.
1: It's my pleasure. I guess I'm the only one who signed up uh, for the job at this point, but no, it's it's great. And George, I mean, many of your listeners, many of your viewers know that I've been a familiar face uh, on your podcast. God knows why you keep on inviting me back on. Um, but in any case, I, you know, we we were chit chatting back and forth, and we thought. It would be good uh, during this election campaign to give uh, an insider's perspective into what's happening this election campaign, seeing that we've worked on many, uh, both provincially, federally, of course, municipally too. Um, And, you know, the other thing too is that there are some good uh, outlets, uh, especially in the Francophone media, that give us that that sort of perspective into what is happening with the leaders day after day during this, you know, 30 some odd day campaign, five weeks of you know hitting the ground trying to convince Quebecers uh, to either give you another mandate or put your party in power um or maybe strengthen your your opposition status in the in the national assembly but for english speaking quebecers like ourselves there really aren't uh, a lot of outlets that give you the sort of detail uh, that a lot of people are looking for. And and that's what I thought would be interesting to give, uh, you know, your your viewers, your listeners that, that sort of perspective. And uh, hopefully that's what we can do over the course of the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think it's great. Uh, and you're right. I mean, I, I mean, we're not here to diss uh, the, the, the English uh, media. Uh, and they're doing a very good job. It's just that um, it'd be interesting to have this kind of behind the scenes look at things that we've gotten uh, so accustomed to, uh, whether, you know, through our own experience or whether with uh, the knowledge that we have or the contacts or everything, the information, all the information that we're getting throughout this campaign, which we're not really suggesting that it's more than the information that the other media uh, is getting. Uh, It's just that I think it's interesting because we do bring that little taste, that little flavor... because of the experience that we have. Um, Of course, this is going to be on uh, YouTube and on Facebook. We are juggling with the idea of maybe doing these things live to live stream it. Um, we want to put them first thing out in the morning so that people can have this information of everything that has happened so far until we're recording. And so they can have a little bit of an idea of what to expect during the day or days until the next episode. We're only doing this twice a week. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah, uh, do, do you get do you get all giddy when elections start? Because I, I, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I'm not I'm not actively involved this time around, or at least not so far, <laughs> and I don't think I'll get actively involved. Uh, I'll uh, I'll I'll choose to, you know put the time in in this sort of thing and the car ride conversations which people can watch uh, as well. That'll be starting up again. Um, I felt that okay, the campaign is coming. I wasn't that really excited, but then yesterday officially the campaign launched. Something happened. I don't know. I was stuck in front of the TV for hours again. Whereas before, I was like, "Ah, eh, whatever, screw it," and I would just turn it off. Uh, does that happen to you? Is that like a switch that just turns on?
1: I think it it happens for anybody who's been involved in like active politics. So we have this weird little bug inside of us that where we just want to, you know, go and 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 start door knocking for whatever reason, or start doing phone calls, <laughs> or start getting people uh, wrangling them together for a, for a you know an event or a you know a fundraiser or something of that sort. You know, I've got two. Uh, close friends uh, who are running uh, for two separate parties. So, you know, my friend uh, Elizabeth Prass running yeah. in Dartmouth, for the Quebec Liberals. My other friend uh, Pascal Derry running for the CAQ over in Repentigny. Um, and so, I am going to go and do some, you know, supporting for them, not for necessarily no for the voice. party, no but choice. for them as as individuals, because I think mm-hmm. that it's it's important to have really strong representation, no matter what political party you come from. Um, inside of the National Assembly. So I'll do some door knocking for them and, and help them out where I can uh, sort of in an ad hoc way. Uh, but yeah, and it's really tough not being like like th- thoroughly involved in the campaign process, like as a campaign manager or as a DCOMS, you know roles that i've taken on roles that you've taken on before in these types of provincial campaigns um it uh, it brings back a lot of uh, of good memories a lot of bad memories too because yeah, yeah. believe you me there are there are those ups, ups and downs in the campaign um lessons learned uh, sometimes they're pretty tough uh but you know uh it's it, it's def- was definitely a little bit interesting seeing uh, you know mr lago go over to the lieutenant governor's office uh yesterday Asking him to drop the writs of the 125 electoral divisions across uh, the province, um, and then you know heading off to his first uh, campaign stops uh, across the uh, uh, across the uh, the Quebec City region. So, you know, it's uh, I know that we miss it, but it's it's also nice to be you know taking sort of the back seat and sort of yeah. like you know, being able to recline and say yeah, to ourselves. You know, something- we get we get to do some commentary instead. Yeah, 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 yeah there, there's some something, there,
0: There's something good about <clears throat> knowing that you're not. Uh, working and there's no stress. Uh, you don't have to wake up at four in the morning and then go to bed at one in the morning. Uh, you know that you're uh, you're 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 um, you're, uh, you're just watching. You're on the sidelines and you're just taking it in right i mean if you want to do what you're doing and help out that's fine it's just that there's little to none stress which is uh which is different it's uh <laughs> i'll tell you one thing it's it's different uh so let's get started man so the campaign officially started yesterday officially and i say officially because for those that are listening that are not you know too familiar about campaigns Usually within one, maybe even two months before they know that there's a campaign coming, teams already on the ground, they're getting started, they're putting their teams in place, uh, they're looking for their campaign headquarters, Uh, there's a lot of preparation, they've already started their door-to-door, printing material, Uh, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, But officially, yesterday, like like, like you said, Premier Legault went to the Lieutenant Lieutenant Governor's house uh, and officially launched the campaign. Um, let's do a little survol, uh, like they say in French. Let's go over the the, the, the beginning of the campaign for for all parties. Um, sure. Yeah, how did well, how did you follow that? I, I mean, yesterday let's let's start with the cac because
1: uh, you know Legault he kicked off his campaign with uh, a major speech, basically underlining. Uh, his bilan, his his record over the course of the past four years, uh, trying to motivate the Quebecers to go back to the polls. Um, you know, he did it with a, a great one. I think one of the best backdrops that I've oh, seen I in a long time. Yeah. The um, Montmorency Falls, uh, Les Chutes de Montmorency in, in back of him with, you know, all uh, almost all of his 124 other candidates. Because, uh, of course, he's running in, in uh, assomption yeah. outside of Montreal, uh, behind him and stuff. So it, it looked really good, it, you know, I think Legault's biggest problem is 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 himself um, <laughs> because, albeit that. You know, but, and, and the thing is, and his greatest advantage um, is, is his adversaries, because they're, quite frankly, pretty weak. Um, and, and they ha- it has been, you know, fairly weak opposition and weak adversaries over the course uh, of the past four years. Um, but the first thing that the media locked into were some comments that he made in, in regards to referring to um, Dominique Anglade, the leader of the Quebec Liberal Party, as set madame yeah, uh, yeah. when he was responding to a journalist in, in, in the scrum. And talking, you know, and you know, they're they're asking, you know, well, what do you think about the criticism coming from Dominique Anglada on X, Y, Z issue? He said, said Madame and, and you know, continued on with with his response, and um, got some comments in the media, got some comments on Twitter, uh, accusations of sexism, you know, misogyny, going back and forth like that. You know, how if he had not made these comments, you know, what would what would what would we be talking about right now? We'd be talking about. Uh, you know, his his economic plan, his plan for revitalizing water resources across the province. Uh, we'd be talking about anything but this. And we'd be talking probably just about, hey, it's the first 24 hours of the campaign. This is sort of a, the, the first, you know, day. It's it's a half day because, you know, they obviously get to a mm-hmm. late start. Um, but but again, this really goes back to Legault being his own worst enemy. Anglade, um capitalized on this at a, a rally that she did. Um, in uh, Mont- in the north of Montreal, um, I believe it was in Marc riding in La Fontaine. Um, so yeah. you know, it's it's it, it to me. It, it looks like um, if we're, if this is the type of rhetoric we're going to be seeing over the course of the campaign, um, uh, it, it could be pretty ugly. Um, and especially, if we're going to be capitalizing on things like this. and and the problem is that we're not talking about the real issues. We're not talking about uh, any campaign policy. We're not talking about platform planks. We're not talking about anything that is, that is going to have a demonstrable effect on uh, you as Quebecers. And yeah. and that's a problem there. Um, and just really quickly on, 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 on GLAD, uh, you know, when we get to the other parties too, I think that um, she's going to have a problem with uh, balancing out her candidates and the, really quite frankly poor candidate recruitment that that she uh and her party did over the course of the past uh you know few months uh you know a lot of people uh, watching and listening to this right now will recall that the plq put out basically a uh uh, you know a a call to arms please come and apply yeah Um, it's basically a job application you know i come in come in um, you know, be a liberal candidate," said, because we literally have nobody in uh, our, our ridings that wants to run with us, uh, at least in, in ridings that are not typically safe. And you know, when he did uh, reach out, and when he did, when she did start reaching out, and the party started doing this recruitment, um, the, the numbers were pretty dismal in terms of what I know internally. Um, it wasn't that great uh, in terms of the, the quality of candidates that were coming about. And this is where Legault is going to be able to capitalize on some of the missteps that these candidates are doing. Um, you know, one in particular in in the uh, the the eastern townships, going off and saying that you know Francois Legault and the, and the CAC are a bunch of xenophobes and sexists. Um, and then most notably yesterday, which was sort of the you know the counter messaging that we all see in key messaging. Um, that uh, many of the, uh, you know, CAC ministers were putting out their CAC candidates were were, were messaging on social media. Uh, the candidate over uh, in, uh, I believe, Akedzie, who was replacing Kristen St-Pierre, uh, tweeted out that there is, there hasn't been, uh, you know, a decline of the French language over the course of the past few years. There really is nothing that we need to do in terms of having to protect the French language uh, going forward. And of course, uh, you know, you know, Dominique Glad already struggling in the polls uh, in terms of her, um, you know, ability to tap into the Frank Francophone electorate. This is not going to do her any better, and yeah. this is not gonna do her
0: well going forward. So, I, I just want to go back to what you're saying about the beginning of the campaign, because <clears throat> you're right. I mean do we really need to focus on what Legault said, uh, instead of what he want, what he's proposing during that campaign? The answer is no, but you know, very well, uh, you know, as well as I do that these little words, they matter, right? Because each party is looking for the slightest little thing to latch on, to bring a cloud or anything negative, um, so that it can potentially take up maybe two, three days of your campaign, kind of correcting yourself. Let's remember in 2018, that was what, uh, Then Premier Philip Couillard had said in a radio interview about being able to do your groceries for 70 bucks a week. It was taken out of context because if you had heard the entire uh, interview, uh, the guy was explaining that there were some families that unfortunately are in a position where they have to spend that $70 and uh, that destroyed his entire campaign. Um, I don't think it's going to be that big of a problem. Of course, it's the beginning of the campaign. I don't think Legault wanted to start off on that note. Um, but it does shed a little bit of a negative light on his uh, start of the campaign where you want it to kind of launch on a positive note. And instead, the the the, the stuff coming out in the media is you calling on <laughs> glad, you know, that lady. Uh, okay. You know, there's this condescending tone and all that stuff. Um, Which will come back to I mean, and then
1: that's the problem. It's these unforced errors. It's these; uh, these are the real problems that we're seeing right now. Uh, Instead of reassuring the electorate that you can, you know, have a a second mandate and you deserve a second mandate, uh, you know, you're having to deal with those errors on the campaign, tripping over yourself. Um, You know, the, the voters want to see the political parties and the candidates. Um, across Quebec, come out of the shadows. They want them to to rediscover, you know, what this political party is, uh, and discover a leader. And I think that's a problem that you know people like Dominique Anglade, uh, Paul Saint Pierre Clémenton, a uh, leader of the Parti Québécois. These are are two relatively new um, political players um, mm-hmm. in terms of ta- taking the leadership of their of their respective parties. People don't know who they are. Um, the Quebec electorate doesn't know who they are. Yes, us as you know people who've worked in this this you know <laughs> industry for quite some time, and people that like to observe it know who they are but the vast majority of, of Quebecers, if you ask them
0: who dominique or, oh or, yeah 100%. Uh, who, who they are good luck Oh, no, 100%. 100%. You know what I always find interesting whenever campaigns start um, to see where they choose to launch their campaign? And that's very strategic, right? Because um, obviously Legault needs to protect the, the region of Quebec. It makes sense that he launched it in Quebec. But at the same time, in the region of Quebec, you had Rig that was launching his own campaign. And we know that these guys have been eyeing a couple of ridings. Uh, in, in that region, Beau Sud, Beau Nord, uh, Chute de la Chaudière, uh, Chauveau, where Éric uh, Duhamel, like that whole strip um, that goes all the way from um, uh, from Chauveau all the way down to Beau Sud, that whole corridor, um, they've been eyeing that one. Um, I know that Éric uh, Duhem wants to get maybe four or five seats in that region. Um, so I always found that interesting. Of course, Dominique Anglade in Montreal, she wants to uh, defend that base. Uh, and the Parti Québécois uh, in Montreal as well. I mean, that that I found strange. I mean, I don't know if they had any other choice. I mean, they went to the leader's writing. He's right. Uh, he's running in um, Camille Lorraine, which was the old writing of uh, Maca Cotto, The Bourget. The Bourget writing. Uh, and uh, strategically, again, Quebec Solidaire. They did their announcement in Sherbrooke. That's something that they really, really want to defend uh, because there's a risk that they lose those ridings that they won last campaign that are outside of Montreal. So we're talking about Sherbrooke. We're talking about the two ridings they won in the region of Quebec, so Tachereau and Jean Lesage. Yeah. Um, those are in danger. So uh, I, I always find that interesting, how they strategically launched their campaign and which riding they decide to do it in.
1: It, it sends a message. It sends a message to the voters in those ridings there that, you know, we care about you and we, de- we desperately want your vote come election day. Uh, I-, I think that Edizoum is taking, uh, you know, a, st- a strategic point out of the Harper 2015 playbook where the Harper government at the time, the Harper campaign, uh, looking for for another mandate, uh, which they didn't get, obviously. They were targeting that 200 kilometer uh, strip, like you mentioned, uh, north and south of of Quebec City, yeah. and that was we we knew because you know I was helping the Conservatives back then, uh, but they they knew at the time that um, that, that was the sweet spot uh, in, in terms of where they could pick up votes, and they did, um, albeit that Trudeau, by and large, wiped Quebec pretty clean, um, and 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 obviously one a majority government uh, with seats across Canada. Uh, the the conservatives were able to pick up quite a few votes um quite a few seats rather in the quebec city region so we, we know that that's that's fruitful it's 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 plentiful for it's a good target for, for eric zoem i think you know the problem that he's going to have is again going back to candidate recruitment and Nobody of quality, nobody of substance really wants to be a candidate for um, anybody outside of the CAC. Uh,
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. And he's carrying the whole thing on his shoulders right now. He is the voice, the face and everything around the Conservative Party of Canada. He's done a tremendous job. I think we need to highlight that compared to where the Conservative Party of Quebec was all these years where it was almost non-existent to bringing up the the um, the membership to over 50,000 and uh, the fun, yeah. like i mean the guy has done an incredible job um he took advantage of that whole wave of disappointment that came a, a, and uh, uh, throughout the campaign when people didn't want um uh, restrictions they didn't want lockdowns like he took advantage of that sentiment um and he brought it into you know it, he gave it a political voice and it propelled him to where he is now i honestly think that he's Uh, really underestimated. And again, uh, it goes back to what you're saying. People aren't really aware of what's happening. They don't know who the candidates are. They're going to follow what's mainstream and what you know, what picks up in the news. And he's done a fantastic job at that. I think he's really underestimated. Just the last week or so, people have been kind of tuning in to what uh, Eric Jem has been doing. And, you know, I found very interesting his um, his launch yesterday. And he, he pretty much put everything straight up. He said, you know, we were first to launch. We were first to come out with our campaign slogan. We were first to get our 125 um, candidates. He is beating everyone To the to the to the to the start, everyone Uh, now are are his candidates of any quality? I mean, that's questionable. Uh, Maybe I don't know who he went and found just to say that he has all candidates. That's a whole other story. We'll find out obviously more during the campaign, Um, but you got to give it to the guy. His organization is on point.
1: But already we know uh, quite a few of his candidates have been on the ground. I mean, it takes time to, of course, get to 125 candidates. He's had some of them for months. And Mm -hmm. so already journalists have been able to do investigations into the background. Of many of these candidates where <laughs> yeah. they're finding online. And I mean, we, we know this, it's the yeah. dirt squad, right? Yeah. Every political party, every uh, you know, major news agency uh, you know, that is established in an area where there's an election going on, they have a team of researchers going about and trying to dig up a good news story about a candidate that said XYZ back back, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And look what's happening now. Yeah, with, they want to derail. With, with the advent of social media, it's getting getting even easier. Oh, yeah. And so you know CBC did a great investigation into some of the candidates there uh where they talked about um you know the, the, that they believe that the the world economic forum is controlling the world they believe that um the sanitary measures that are being put in um in regards to the pandemic were not saving lives they believe that vaccines are going to kill you so this these are the they're, they're candidates that are espousing this and of course there's all what i would say is is just as bad or even worse is the some of the racist comments that are coming out too from his candidates, where they're making accusations against, uh, you know, uh, calling Chinese people uh, terrible terms because they're they're blaming them for for COVID nineteen mm-hmm. and the yeah. virus there. So you you see that this is this is a reflection, and I always say that political parties are a reflection of human behavior. Unfortunately, ANZUAM's PCQ has brought out the worst of people, yeah. and 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 then we bring it back to the angle because a yeah. lot of people that are re- watching this right now, we want to speak about the you know, how is this going to affect English speaking people? A lot of Anglophones are turning towards the PCQ and saying, maybe this is an option for me. Maybe, uh, you know, I've, I have voted liberal my entire life or, you know, and I don't see myself voting for the CAC because of their issues. I can see with Bill 96 how maybe there's a way for for some Anglophones to reconcile um, their support towards the the PCQ because of their nuanced position there. But when it comes to Bill 21, they support Bill 21. They support, and this is something that for for diverse Quebecers, for for multicultural Quebecers um, and and the English-speaking community alike, which those two groups go hand in hand, I don't see how an English-speaking Quebecer who is friends with a diverse community of of individuals in Montreal could vote for the PCQ knowing their stance on Bill 21 and then being pro-Bill 21. So for me, it's going to be difficult to see him pick up any seats, um, obviously, in the greater Montreal area or in, in the eastern townships where we find significant anglophone population but even in quebec city i don't know if Erdogan is going to get even one seat the polls don't show it right now and i think um maybe it would be good for us to segue into polls at this point
0: yeah we can get into the polls before we get there though uh just on on um on the topic of the candidates i do want to point out that the first time at least that i can remember that a party like the liberal party has started a, an election campaign without a full slate of 125 candidates It's the first time. uh, And it goes back to what you were saying about the Liberal Party not being the same party that it was maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Um, That famous election machine that they would just turn on and everything was just ready to go is really gone. It's not even there. Non-existent. I mean, of all the parties, it is the only one that hasn't completed 125 candidates. It is unheard of. And and I mean, the
1: abysmal fundraising records, they they cannot, they cannot uh, fundraise to save their life at this point yeah, yeah. Uh, they they've lost uh, the, you know people are the francophone community is 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 disenchanted with Dominique Anglade because they feel that they're she's not promoting the french language the anglophone community is disenchanted with her because they feel that she's not protecting their minority rights um she's lost her base she's lost the voters that she's trying to go after the quebec liberal party is really has lost uh, the authenticity factor they, yeah. no one looks at them as being a true real party and that's ironic because of course the emphasis on on vote vrai vote real yeah. um which is their slogan for the campaign and no one actually can you know can trust them when it comes to that
0: yeah uh we'll see how that turns up keep in mind everyone listening or watching we're we're, going to be talking about platforms obviously i mean as we go along each party is going making announcements so we're going to get into the platforms um much more in detail um in the in the in the days and weeks to come um so we're not really going to focus on that right now um, let's go to the polls because it's important what you were saying about Éric Um, You know, there was a poll that came out. It was a Léger poll that came out last Friday. I think it's the the the, the most recent one uh, that actually put the 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 Quebec Conservative Party as the second, I think, in, in or first in the region of Quebec. Or well, let me just go get. Yeah, it so
1: here. They're, they're second at this point here in the region of Quebec. But let's just start off with the the the, the poll numbers overall. CAC forty two. Liberal 17, Quebec City at 15 the PCQ 14, and the PQ at 9 across the board. When you break that down even more in terms of, because poll numbers only tell you so much, they don't tell you, they, they give you, a, a, you know, a snapshot as to what the electorate is thinking across the board, and then you can look at regional breakdowns. But when you actually look at what this will translate into uh, seats uh, because seat projections I find are a lot more important. They're also a lot more difficult to calculate, but they're a lot more important to have a better uh, understanding and a, that better snapshot of what's happening in, in the election. So if you look at if you take the current polls that have been aggregated by um, uh, Philippe Fournier, who's uh, you know great at l'actualité, uh has done a lot of commentary in Anglophone media, so you probably have seen him on CTV News. Um, but, you know, right now with those current projections, the CAC is going to be winning a mandate of 99 seats, which is unheard of. This yeah. has never been been done before in Quebec history. The POQ would go down to 17 seats. Quebec City would go down to eight. The PQ would go down to one. And the PCQ would, would fail to gain a seat in the legislature.
0: Mm. Interesting. Um, yeah, we'll see how that evolves. Um, I think, again, like what I was t- telling you before, I think they're underestimating the, the the conservative party. It wouldn't shock me if the if the the, uh, the conservatives managed to actually get a seat and maybe even a second seat. I, but but no, I don't think they would get more than that. But uh, I think they're going to they're going to break into the House. Um, yeah, the CAC. Uh, uh, yeah, I would place them around 100 as well. Uh, th- this is um uh, this is huge. I mean, the last time I think it's happened before, it was Bourassa in the, in the 70s that got like, I don't know, 103 seats or something out of 115 at the time that the National Assembly had, which was uh, completely unheard of. And I, I think it's still probably the record. But um, this is unprecedented in modern history. We've yeah, yeah, never yeah. seen this in modern
1: political history the past 10, 15, 20 years. No party has been able to capitalize
0: like this. I want to get to one uh, to 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 one aspect of the um, uh, of that Leger poll that a lot of the PQ people were commenting on because obviously they have to find the positive thing, right? Right. Uh, the positive spin. They're like, ah, oh, look, the PQ is second, the uh, Quebecers' second choice. Where where uh, uh, we're, when Quebecers were uh, were polled, it's the PQ that comes in as the second choice to the CAC. Let's just clarify one thing: the reason that the CAC won is because they went in. In large portion, and they got a lot of the PQ electorates to to, to elect them. So naturally, when you ask the majority of the Quebecers which one would be your second choice, of course it would be the PQ because that's who is voting for the CAC to begin with. So you know there, there's an, a there's a there's a direct association. I don't think people are going to be like, oh, I'll, you know, forget about the CAC. Let me, my second choice will be PQ to give the PQ any importance in this campaign because they already left the PQ to go to the CAC. So I don't think that would be uh switching uh anytime soon. Uh, I think it's a useless poll to, to, to be honest with you. But I mean, I just find it funny how the PQ kind of stuck to that. Uh, it's the only thing they have going for them, it's the only positive thing. Other than that, they're dead last. Um, also interesting poll was the um uh the the choice for favorite. Premier of Quebec Um, And again there Eric Duem comes in second Yeah PQ, yeah, because I, P, I think P, that P, he's, the, he's the only leader that has been getting
1: the media attention. He's the, you know, the great advantage of zoom is the fact that he's the only person with that messaging. He's the only person who has had a counter message that has been popular, that has picked up yeah. uh, steam steam. Um, he's the only one talking about immigration the way that he is. He's the only one talking about sanitary measures the way that he is. Um, he, he's the only one that is giving um, a counterbalance to the general across the board messaging that you've seen from the, the four other major parties um, where they've all been on board in regards to vaccination. They've all been on board in regards to sanitary measures. They've all um, have, have had a very steady line across the board when it co- has come to the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, he's the only one that's offering an alternative. So it doesn't surprise me at all to see that some people are saying, you know what? I'm looking at Ebed Zoum. I like his personality. I know him from Quebec City as, as a, you know, a shock shock radio host. Um, which a lot of his you know adversaries are trying to play off play off against him but to be very frank that's how he gained yeah. his popularity that's how he gained his fame and mm-hmm. transitioned to the political uh role that he is in
0: right now uh the the one interesting thing about the poll that came out is uh, quebec Solidaire uh being number one as the official opposition who do you think is going to be the best opposition and that's quebec Solidaire. there Here's what's interesting about Quebec there. I think they know that they can never govern. Obviously, their message throughout the campaign is that they are the best fit to govern. That's every party's message. But one thing I think that they will focus on is that they are the true challenge to the government. Uh, I don't know if you remember in 2018, they came out, uh, the the uh, The initial message that came out right after the campaign is that we are going to be the official opposition in Quebec City. And everyone was like, well, well what are you talking about? And at that point, uh, there weren't, Uh, You know, all seats hadn't been counted yet. It wasn't sure if it was going to be them or the PQ that was in second opposition. So it was a little bit of a conflict there. Uh, But um, finally, they're the second opposition. And throughout this entire mandate, they have acted that they are the official opposition. We are the true challenge to the government and to Legault. And this is reflected in the polls. And I think that this is going to help them, at least in their base, to convince the people, look, this is the work that we've been doing. We went from a nothing party in 2008 when they... They got their first guy, um, uh, Amir Kadir, uh, in the house to being recognized as the official challenger, as the official yeah. opposition uh, in uh, in in Parliament. I'm not so sure how that's going to reflect in the numbers because I ultimately I think both Quebec Solidarity and the Liberal Party are going to lose seats um, on the third of October. But Honestly, it's a given. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's um it's definitely a plus for them to um to kind of bounce on and um uh to kind of campaign on.
1: Yeah. Just as we wrap it up, uh George, I want to let people know where the leaders are gonna be in and around today and where what yep. they're gonna be announcing. Um Anglad, Dominique Anglad uh is currently in Quebec City, uh making an announcement live right now as we speak, uh pledging to put an extra five thousand dollars a year into families' wallets. Uh she says that Quebecers need financial breathing room. Um, and so this is part of her, uh, her, her wallet plan, as she's calling it. Um, so in any case, announcement going on right there. Uh, Francois Legault is going to be um, uh, releasing this morning, uh, his plan on how to lower taxes for Quebecers. Um, he's spoken about this, a lot of other political parties have spoken about their Uh, plans on on wanting to reduce uh, taxes across the board for Quebecers, uh, given, you know, high inflation, recovering from COVID, um, you know, families are struggling, the middle class is struggling, and he's making a particular effort in terms of signaling that he wants to focus on on Quebec's middle class. So that's going to be important on that front there and then uh finally in terms of the current stuff that we know right now about Quebec City Daw um you know we see that they're going to be doing a press conference later this morning um in Montreal uh, where they're going to be uh speaking about uh their uh agenda on on uh, on health um in terms of bonifying uh, more um uh, more more of a, more resources towards the health sector uh, for nurses doctors um they're really going to be presenting their uh, policy platform uh, on healthcare overall um which they're they're hoping that they can stick to uh the CAC and the PLQ as they try to make advances into i would say QS territory yeah. um or seats where they could be, they they could be um you know which are traditionally their own Quebec City is, is looking also to pick up seats uh, let's let's not forget saint Henri Saint-Anne Maurice Richard uh, which so formally held, Maurice Richard, formerly held by, um, by Marie Montpetit, uh, who was kicked out the Liberal Caucus uh, late earlier this year. Uh, Saint-Henri, Saint-Anne, uh, the current seat of Dominique Anglade. So in any case, um, lots of advance, advancements. There are potential pickups for, from Quebec Soledad on that front there. Um, gonna, Montreal is going to be a one to watch between those CAC versus PLQ versus QS uh, battleground races.
0: Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting and uh, as we move forward in the in the coming days and stuff we're going to have a lot more stuff to talk about the you know particular ridings and uh, the races that are going to be very close. Let's end this um uh the tip of the hat uh the wag of the finger uh from yesterday's launch.
1: Uh Wag of the finger to Francois Legault, because again, uh, you know, his comments like said, madame, uh, I, I think that this is going to really hurt him across the board uh, in terms of trying to tap into uh, more female voters who are not going to, uh, you know, necessarily be on board with, uh, you know, let's say a more of a conservative-esque, uh, uh, you know, party like the CAQ, um, I mean, they, they, I remember the CAC is very much uh, a coalition. About a third of their voter base is fe- are federal liberals, a third are, are blockists, and a third are conservatives. So there's still very much, uh, you know, partly a conservative party. And I think comments like that could be labeled as, again, sexist, misogynistic. It's going to really hurt him. But I'm also going to give him my tip of the hat because I do feel that his um, he looks like the, 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 the man, l'homme de la situation. He looks mm-hmm. like he's in charge. He looks like he's demonstrating um, to Quebecers that he deserves a second mandate. Uh, he has a full slate of candidates. The PLQ is straggling behind. Um, the other parties, uh, you know, are are failing to really get a lot of media attention right now. And I think with the backdrop of the moment he falls, I think with uh, you know the. The, the, the great, um, you know, digital media that, that his team has been able to tap into, you know, on Instagram, on Twitter, the social media vibe and the presence that he's showing on there is working very well for him. So uh, he gets both my, my, my wag of the finger and my tip of the hat. Uh, we'll see if that's the case come uh, Thursday for our next episode.
0: Right, I'll agree with you with uh, the the wag of the finger, the tip of the hat for me. I'll give it to Eric Duhem. I think it's um, it's a great launch for him. It's a great beginning. He he started last week, you know, with uh, the the his bus and uh, he, you know uh, close to a thousand people. Uh, he's attracting huge crowds. Um, he's getting a very good start in this campaign. I'm curious to see how it's going to go for him. Totally. All right, Michael, we'll end it here, guys. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to YouTube. Follow us on Facebook um, uh, if you want. We're going to have these every Monday, every Thursday, uh, all the way until the 3rd of October. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we'll keep you posted. If ever, we're going to go to a live stream. We're not sure yet, but we're uh, juggling with the idea. But in any case, until the next episode, enjoy your day. Have fun. Thanks, Mike. Ciao, George.